welcome to another episode of Accessibility. It's a show on YouTube where I talk about the video game industry, accessibility and representation. Basically, how can we help more people to play games and more people to see themselves in the games they play? Prior to the start of last year's global pandemic, video game press events were fairly restrictive in terms of who could attend them. If you had mental health conditions or disabilities that meant that crowded events and loud events with lots of noise sources were a problem, you might not be able to attend them. People with physical disabilities often either couldn't attend them or had difficulty navigating them once there. And there were financial barriers involved that meant that certain people simply could not afford to attend video game press events. This last year of living in a pandemic has changed how a lot of industries work, and one of those is definitely the video game industry with regards to the PR and press cycle. Video game developers can no longer invite a bunch of press to one physical location to see a presentation, play a game hands-on, and interview developers, which was for years the standard. So. They've had to get creative this year in terms of how they handle presentations, interviews, and hands-on gameplay experiences. So today, on Accessibility, we're going to talk about some of the changes video game PR companies and developers have made over the last year that have accidentally made their events much more accessible to disabled game critics. We're going to talk about some of the technology being used to make sure that people can watch presentations, conduct interviews, and go hands-on with games remotely. We're going to talk about some of the groups of disabled critics who this has really opened up the industry for, and we're going to talk about the fact that it is really important these don't all get rolled back and stop being available as soon as everyone's vaccinated and can attend in-person events again. These need to remain an option going forwards. To start, here's a quick summary of pre-pandemic video game press events. There were basically three main classes of press event where you might get to play a game ahead of release or interview a developer. At big conventions such as E3, you have a show floor full of people lining up to check out demos in a crowded convention hall. Critics ideally pre-book appointments to try out games or talk to developers at some point during a multiple day event. These events are usually crowded and stressful, full of a lot of sensory information and physical people that can be hard for people on the autism spectrum to be comfortable with. They also have shifting schedules that can be difficult for people with ADHD to manage, and are often difficult for people with physical disabilities to navigate. Additionally, they usually take place in expensive cities, so travel to those events and accommodation during them can be a financial barrier given their often multiple day nature. Then there's press events at company offices. These events are usually quieter single-day events with less crowding and noise, but dependent on the studio they can still involve travel to areas not well serviced by public transport, and the accessibility level of office buildings is wildly variable. Lastly, there are destination events, where press are flown to a specific location, not a convention centre or an office building, to check out a game. These often exist because PR companies want to tie their event into some setting or activity that tangentially relates to the game, like hosting a horror game press event on a spooky disused ship. These events use unrelated scene settings to try and impact media's perception of a game, and are usually very much unnecessary affairs. They're often in venues not designed with disability access in mind, that require travelling, but are not as chaotic as convention-based events. Sometimes these kinds of press events will offer to cover travel costs, removing that particular barrier to access, but the event itself may not be as accessible once press arrive, and the sheer act of international travel can be a risk for some, such as power chair users who frequently risk their mobility aids being damaged by flight crews. 
In all three cases, disabled players, those who are less financially stable and those based in more remote locations, are inherently less able to attend in-person press events, and as a result have less access to cover games before release. So what more accessible solutions have been used this past year? Well, there's a few different options that different studios have been making use of. Some game developers this year have replaced hands-off presentations about games with watermarked video presentations. These videos can usually only be accessed a single time, with a predetermined IP address, and feature a watermark bouncing around the screen to ensure that if it's leaked, it's going to be clear who leaked it. These presentations allow for showcasing footage, gameplay, plot, and developer discussion of games prior to their announcement, and only require a strong internet connection to view. Obviously, a strong internet connection is a barrier to access for some, but for many disabled critics that's an easier barrier to overcome than physical event attendance. Second, and this one's likely pretty obvious, many game developer interviews now take place over video calls using Zoom, Discord, or Skype. It's a little harder to press a developer on a hard question effectively when you're remote, but this does open up getting to interview developers without needing to physically be where they are. And lastly, several game developers have taken to using Parsec, a remote desktop tool with fairly low latency, to allow for hands-on demos performed over a distance. These Parsec demos in particular have been really vital in allowing hands-on experiences with games, without requiring physical attendance to a convention or company offices, for people who don't have specialised hardware that can run debug code, and without risking code being leaked by being handed out, you know, willy-nilly to people's home computers. There will always be a place in this world for in-person press events. There are certain kinds of interviews where you just need to grill someone face-to-face -face in order to press them on a hard answer, and there are certain genres of games like fighting games where the little bit of latency introduced by remote playing will always have an impact on your ability to properly preview those games, but for most presentations, for most interviews, for most gameplay sessions, you can totally allow people who cannot get to your event for whatever reason to still be involved in the press cycle for a game remotely. We've proven this year in so many industries that it is possible to remote work, don't roll that back as soon as vaccines are out in people's hands. For so many disabled players who have spent years trying to be a part of the video game press industry, this year has allowed so much more access to video games for people who might not be able to attend in-person events, and that's wonderful. The video game industry, like so many other industries, has spent years saying that it is impossible or impractical or just not doable to offer remote work, to allow people to remotely access things, and this year has proven not only is it possible, it's viable, it's a very useful way of doing things. I really hope that we don't see all of this rolled back at the end of the year, because so many disabled players are finally able to be a part of this industry, and to see that go away would be a real disappointment. The video game industry has made some real strides forwards in terms of accessibility for critics this year, and I really hope we don't see that all roll away as soon as the story becomes, oh, everyone's vaccinated, it's fine now. Make sure you offer this alongside in-person events. Don't make in-person events the only thing that exists anymore.